Hi, I'm Jayan Sriram and welcome to In Focus, the Hindu's analysis podcast. Thanks for joining us. This is the daily update show on COVID-19 from the Hindu. We are recording on Thursday, the 23rd of April. We'll cover three important topics on today's program. Firstly, we'll get an update from the Hindu's US correspondent, Sriram Lakshman, on the overall situation with regard to the coronavirus in the US and the reasoning behind President Trump's temporary ban on immigration, on which he signed an executive order yesterday, on the 22nd of April. We'll then move on to ministry briefings. From the External Affairs Ministry, National Affairs Editor Suhasini Haider will give us an update on medical supplies coming into India from other countries and particularly if there has been any response to rapid testing kits imported from China being largely inaccurate. From the Health Ministry, Deputy Science Editor Jacob Koshi has an update on some rather detailed numbers put out by the government today as they say that the growth in the number of cases in India has been linear and not exponential. Here's Sriram Lakshman, up first. Hi, Jan. Thanks for having me on. First, a look at the overall picture. There have been some 842,000 confirmed cases of coronavirus infection in the U.S. And uh, it's safe to say that there have been over 40,000 deaths. And um, about 4.5 million people have been tested And in New York City alone, there have been about uh, 15,000 deaths. Um, Another interesting thing and startling thing to look at in the U.S. is the race and ethnicity data that's coming out of there. Um, In in Chicago, for example, if you look at data from early April, uh, 72% of the people who died of uh, coronavirus infection were black, uh, although only one third of uh, the population in Chicago is black. Uh, take Georgia, for example, as of April 17th, um, 40% of COVID-19 cases uh, were amongst the white population, uh, although uh, the white population constituted 58% of Georgia state. Um in Kansas, for example, African Americans comprise less than six percent of the state, but they uh, comprise fifteen percent of the positive cases and thirty-two percent uh, of the deaths. Um, what's really been pretty alarming uh, is that there hasn't been that much race and ethnicity data. For example, last Friday, the Center for Disease Control released data where seventy-five percent of the cases were not tagged with the race or ethnicity um, of of the patient. And having this race and ethnicity data broken down is crucial so that you can get testing and get uh, treatment to uh, populations that would not necessarily have access to them. These are typically minority populations. And let's move on to the uh, immigration ban now. So another big piece of coronavirus-related news coming out of the U.S. this week is the immigration executive order that Trump signed on Wednesday and that came into effect on Thursday. Basically, it restricts for 60 days certain categories of immigration to the U.S. Specifically, individuals from around the world will not be able to get an immigrant visa and travel to the U.S. and begin their lives as permanent residents. 
for the next 60 days. This order does not apply to individuals who are already in the U.S. and trying to switch from their existing visa categories to a green card. Um, there are also certain exemptions. Uh, for example, minor children and spouses of U.S. citizens are exempt. Um, you know, people who already have an immigrant visa, they would be exempt to. Current legal permanent residents are also exempt. And doctors, healthcare workers, nurses, uh, and those whose research uh, is related uh, to uh, COVID-19 research, uh, these individuals will still be able to get immigrant visas to go to the U.S. So basically, um, the ostensible reason for passing this order is to keep American jobs for Americans. Some 4.4 million Americans registered for unemployment benefits in the week ending April 18th. Uh, taking the total number of officially unemployed Americans to 26 million since the pandemic began. Trump says that new immigrants will compete with Americans for jobs. And so when the economy starts opening up, he wants to save those jobs for Americans. Um, critics of Trump, including Democrats, have said this is simply his way of deflecting uh, from um, criticisms of how he's handled the uh, pandemic, and it's also him scapegoating immigrants. And we're moving on now to, uh, to updates on the briefings from various ministries. And Suhasini Haider joins me first. Suhasini, one thing that we need to follow up on is the um, antibody tests, uh, the ones that um, the ICMR got in from China that uh, many states had complaints with. So um, from the um, External Affairs Ministry perspective, are they planning to, what's their, what's their plan on this? Is there any way in which they plan to take China on on this? Jen, interesting you ask that because this has been a recurring theme. The worries over the quality of uh, the products, the medical products that have been coming in, uh, particularly from China. Um, and we've seen these in different cases, whether it's been with the PPE, the protective gear, or whether it's been with the rapid antibody test. Um, however, the government has made it clear that they intend to keep the supply chains going. They intend to keep um, bringing in uh, supplies from China. Uh, in fact, the uh, Ministry of External Affairs' is, uh, um, uh, uh, spokesperson uh, gave uh, actual figures saying that in the last two weeks alone, more than two dozen uh, flights, 24 flights have come into India from China, from five cities in China, in fact, that carried about 400 tons of medical supplies. Now, these included RT-PCR test kits, rapid antibody kits, um, PPEs, uh, and thermometers and other medical supplies. The government went on to say that about 20 more flights are expected in the next few days, um, and that this is likely to be stepped up considerably. So the government is not actually looking, uh, seeking at this point to say that um, that they would like to curtail their uh, imports from China in any way. Um, uh, they are looking at diversification, and, and we certainly have seen, for example, the South Korean company whose Indian subsidiary has set up uh, in Manisar and is expected to churn out about 5 lakh kits every, uh, every week. Um, uh, these are testing kits. Uh, we're also likely to see um, SUVs, uh, sized uh, uh, high-speed testing machines. Remember, these have been uh, seen on the internet quite a lot, the high-speed testing machines that look like a, a large car, really, the size of a large car. Um, these are being sourced from La Roche in the U.S. 
And the government says that R&D labs here are in touch with labs in Israel and Germany as well. Um, they are also looking uh, to collaborate, in fact, on things like this antiviral uh, drug that has come out, uh, Remdesivir, which is not at present made in India. Uh, the use of plasma cells and how best to use those uh, to treat coronavirus patients. Um, as, but so what the government is essentially doing is at this point of time wanting to diversify and to keep the supply chains coming. Um, and at the moment, uh, not really take on the China, China, uh, Chinese government or Chinese manufacturers, as it were. In fact, officials even told us off the record uh, that they believe uh, that some of the problems that we have seen, remember, there have been a, a problems with the PPE kits that the DRDO facility uh, found a high failure rate in, uh, as well as the rapid antibody tests. In fact, the government had to hold off using those rapid antibody test kits uh, until they got better supplies. Uh, but what officials said is maybe it was also in the way that they were um, uh, employed in terms of the environment, whether the temperatures were right in terms of um, uh, what was required. Um, uh, so, so the government in no way saying for the moment that they want to back away uh, from what they have been able to source from China. In fact, they're saying they're going full steam ahead. Jen? Okay. Thank you, Suhasini. We'll now move on to what was a very detailed presentation at the Health Ministry briefings today. Jacob Koshi is coming in now. Suhasini, thanks for that update. So today was uh, very un, uh, was quite a what uh, was quite a full house kind of uh, uh, briefing at the PIB today because normally you just have the health sec uh, joint secretary of health Mr. Lava Agrawal and uh, a representative of the ICMR, which is mostly Dr. Raman Gangakhedkar. But today you had the chief of uh, of the ICMR. You also had Ranveer Guleria, who is the chief of the Ordinary Institute of Medical Sciences. You also had uh, Mr. C.K. Mishra. He's a secretary for environment, but he leads the committee on medical management because he was once the former health secretary uh, of India during a, a previous during his previous uh, tenure. So this was a fairly high-powered panel today, and there was a fairly detailed uh, briefing on the kind of India's COVID uh, preparedness strategy. It, it there was details shared on the kind of ventilator. Uh, ventilators, number of hospitals, and you know uh, the kind of strategy that the government had in place for the next few weeks. So overall, the indication was that you know there is going to be many more cases that are, that is going to that is coming up that will come up, and that these cases are going to be distributed fairly widely in space, uh, uh, you know, and, and across regions. So May third really shouldn't be some kind of date by which you know uh, we can all expect to just go back to normal lives because it's very very unlikely that is going to happen given by the kind of there was no explicit mention of what is going to will there will the lockdown end In, there was one one question was asked of uh, dr bhargava as to whether we would see a peak in the number of cases on may 3rd but he said uh, no such peak really was in sight so he declined to elaborate further on that but uh, the headline numbers for today were that, uh, you know, the number of cases have gone to 21,700 and of which 16,600 were active cases. There's been, there has been 1,400 cases, again, 1,000, 1,500 that is, that we have steadily added and uh, 34 new deaths, again, the 30s being the number of deaths that we've reported uh, consistently for the past many weeks now. 
there are 12 districts that did not have a fresh case the last 28 days or more. But remember, these are all, uh, as we have discussed, you know, these do not deal with the big problem states like Gujarat, Maharashtra, uh, Tamil Nadu, uh, and, uh, Madhya Pradesh, which are contributing nearly, you know, Delhi, for instance, which all contribute nearly 60, 70% of our caseload. So there is no real respite in these cases because heavy clampdowns and heavy restrictions continue to plague, uh, be active in these parts uh, of the country. But overall, it, India, the, the health officials did say that, you know, India has uh, been expanding its test strategy and, you know, it repeated. I mean, today we well, it said that we've crossed nearly one lakh tests, which actually is also the absolute number of tests conducted in the U.S. It's just that our population, uh, our populations are so vastly different that you know proportionally India looks much much lesser. But they are saying that you know we are still seeing just a four to five percent positivity rate, which is a very near constant. This is all to indicate that you know the cases aren't exponentially rising. We are seeing a kind of slow linear uh, rise. And this is this helps with uh, with uh, helps officials to manage and prepare for, you know, any eventuality ahead. Right. Yeah, that was the big um, kind of uh, catchphrase, I suppose, from today's briefing is that we're not having an exponential mm-hmm. rise, but uh, the rise in numbers is, is linear. Is this... Um, yeah. Uh, was there was there any kind of comparison between India and uh, other countries on this? Uh, well, there were comparisons in the in the sense of you know how did various countries do within the uh, you know within the within four the four, four weeks or you know how did countries do after their four hundred cases and you know between uh, let's say the twenty thousand cases. So the essential argument was that you know in three or two or three weeks, Italy. France and many and the U.S. for instance had seen an exponential rise. I mean, totaling you know in the in the high fifty thousands or you know close to one yeah. lakh. You know, but you know the their, their argument was that India is still at twenty thousand and at and its size of this population still has not reached that catastrophic level as yet. So the attempt predictably was to uh, point out to the fact that India is in safe hands and the lockdown has had a measurable effect in slowing down the uh, infections. Right. And uh, Mr. Mishra, I think, is part of, uh, is, is the head of what what I believe are 11 empowered committees that the government had created yeah. on March 30. One of the 11. One of the 11 uh, empowered um, committees. Yeah. And um, he's specifically in charge yeah. of the committee on uh, hospital strength. And uh, I, I think yes. that's the one. Medical management. Medical management. So yeah. was there any specific announcement yeah. on um, hospitals dedicated to COVID, anything like that? Uh, well, there were some uh, headline uh, numbers shared that, you know, uh, there, were, there were some details on labs as, as to how we started out with about 100 labs at the beginning of lockdown. And now we have gone to 325 uh, uh, such labs. Right. But other than that, uh, he said that uh, there were, there were we have, India has 19,000 isolation beds for severe and critical cases, uh, 24,644 ICU beds uh, uh, in 3,700 facilities, and nearly 1,66,000 isolation beds in care centers with, with nearly 12,000 ventilators. So these are all numbers that sound big, but, you know, the overall sense is that, you know, and again, based on, uh, outside ex, uh, outside information from uh, from independent experts who are and this was not really shared during the briefing is that you know this is good this is enough 
to last us for the next two or three weeks. Right. Like our antibody kits, like our RT-PCR kits, the, the, we are always like, you know, like establishments or companies, you know, who have enough reserves in terms of money for, let's say, one month or two months. India too has actually medical reserves essentially for about three or four weeks. And the our hope is that these keep getting replenished, more people start recovering and, you know, exiting beds. But again, it is, uh, I mean, we've not really dealt with these kinds of ventilator ventilators and isolation beds ever before. But uh, they seem a lot, but, you know, they could also be quickly exhausted. And remember, these are all, there are also other patients who are suffering from other illnesses which are completely neglected as of now because all we are hearing is covid as if you know there is no there is no other ailment happening in in this country right. they too would be needing ventilator beds so there's no real breakup of you know how many of these are dedicated for you know other kinds of uh, pneumonia or other kinds of uh, uh, respiratory illnesses it's 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 our our fight, our fight against COVID is single-handedly aimed at this disease, and right now we're good for three or four weeks. Is is what uh, estimates suggest. Okay, right. Um, we'll end the podcast there again today, Jacob. Um, thank you for joining us, and um, yeah. we'll catch up again tomorrow. Thank you.